It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Welcome to Sandy Rios in the morning. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm guest hosting for Sandy this morning, and I'm honored to do so. Once again, my name is Walker Wildman. I'll be guest hosting the show today. You can hear uh, my show each weekday at 1 p.m. Central here on American Family Radio Network, and you can also visit our website, AFR.net. Our website is AFR.net, and you can get the Sandy Rios in the morning podcast there. You can also download the AFR app and listen to Sandy at your own convenience uh, by downloading the AFR app. Um, Once again, you're listening to American Family Radio. I'm sitting in this morning for Sandy Rios. Uh, Pretty busy news day yesterday. Uh, A a lot of economic news and some things going on in Washington. So that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, I came across this Fox Business article um, about... The economy, the current state of the economy, this um, this article is a little more pessimistic, but the headline is, thanks to Team Biden, America could soon be on the verge of economic disaster. And a part of this is focuses on uh, the fellow that wrote this piece is Justin Haskins. Uh, part of the, what I want to focus on is the part about inflation. I've been talking about this for the last few weeks because inflation is affecting everyone. Inflation, a rising cost, that is affecting everyone here in America, especially people who live on, um, who don't have a lot of extra cash, a lot of extra income to uh, to compensate for the rise in consumer prices. Uh, this um, <clears throat> article goes on to talk about, and it says, uh, quote, perhaps the most important signal about the current state of the economy is that inflation has continued to drive up consumer prices. The annual growth of core personal consumption expenditures is now 3.4%, the most significant increase since 1992. The article goes on to say that further, the Labor Department reports that consumer price index increased in June by 5.4% compared to one year ago, the highest 12-month rate since August 2008. Well, it's worth remembering that in August 2008 was just one month prior to the start of the massive stock market crash in 08. Inflation is causing everyday prices to rise, making it substantially more expensive for families to put gasoline in their cars, food on the table, and in the process, it's helping keep economic growth from reaching levels many thought uh, were inevitable late last year. Uh, inflation is one one factor, and I brought in a couple clips here because I want us to, to to understand in basic terms, in layman terms, 
what inflation is, how it gets to this point, uh, because it's really important. Because as I mentioned, it affects each and every one of us. I'm going to play a two-part clip uh, series here. Uh, this is a, a, a MaxFunds.com a co-founder. His name is Jonas Max, and he was on Fox Business talking about number one, what is inflation, what causes inflation, and then number two. He talks about, can the government do anything to fix it? So right now, we'll listen to clip one. There's, a, there's several factors beyond, obviously, uh, his control, um, especially the Federal Reserve. Um, there was also lots of money given out last year before Biden, and a lot of it given to just in a way that creates demand. Like when my, my dad kept getting checks in the mail, you know, he's not in the workforce. He's not producing goods. He's just consuming goods. Yeah. If you just give money to people that didn't have an income. It's like my children. Yeah, exactly. If you give them an, an allowance. your dad to Sephora. <laughs> so now the reason why it wasn't that inflationary last year, to be fair to Trump, is that we were in a recession, basically, because of COVID. But now that we're not, if you still give checks to people, now you create what, this is an old 70s term, but it's, it's demand pull inflation. So you're, you're giving people money and the supply is not there. Yeah. So there's excess demand in the economy. People are basically buying more stuff than the world economy can produce. And the result is higher prices. Well, if you are living in America, you've seen the effects of this. I mean, it's really hard to to not see this as far as inflation goes. But also, you have a couple different things coming together here, coming to a head. Um, we had the unemployment benefits, which were above and beyond their traditional amounts. You had the unemployment benefits, and that was really keeping people home. I mean, you, you, I talked to people over and over again, and especially employers, and the unemployment benefits that the federal government approved last year, they were incentivizing people to stay home. And so we, we pump trillions of dollars into the economy. Much of it goes straight to the taxpayers for them to spend in the economy, but we don't have any workers to provide the goods and services. And so we have this, this supply chain breakdown where it takes three months now to get a refrigerator, where it takes six months to get a couch. Why? Because we don't have people to put the couches together in the uh, in the furniture industry, we don't have workers. Uh, but we got plenty of cash, just not enough people to produce the goods and services, and that causes uh, the supply chain issues that we are experiencing now. Then um, another another study I wanted to 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 uh, to cite is. A study that was put together by the Foundation for Government Accountability, and uh, the, the the researcher there is her name is Allie Fick, and this is not this is not novel, this is not new, it's not breaking news. But the way this report from the Foundation for Government Accountability, the way they summed up these federal unemployment benefits and the effect of them, and how they're being misused really uh, sums it all up, what we've been experiencing, what we've been seeing with our own eyes the last year and a half. When, when, when publishing this report on the, uh, the federal unemployment, and remember what happened here is the federal government, they upped the unemployment benefits, meaning if you're out of a job, instead of getting X amount, you get another amount, much higher than it has traditionally been on top of that is the state unemployment benefits. So when you package all that together, I talked to uh, some people who heard about people making like $800 a week 
eight to nine hundred dollars a week. Um, people who typically, you know, may may have made five to six hundred dollars a week working at a restaurant, working, you know, at a manufacturing facility, they were making eight to nine hundred dollars a week, and uh, all because of the federal government, which caused many of them not to go back to work for a long, long time. This report says that it has started to look more like it has started to look more like welfare and more like another piece of the welfare package. It started. It's starting to look a lo- like a long-term benefit program rather than a short-term temporary supplement that it was supposed to be. This report goes on to say that unemployment insurance programs should, should promote work and reject government dependency. And I think that's the key point here. All unemployment insurance should promote work and reject government dependency. But the, the welfare system in America is ripe with fraud. You know, they got this requirement where you're supposed to be actively looking for a job. Who enforces that? Who enforces that? Nobody. Nobody enforces that. I talked to employers that said people would fill out an application, show up for the interview, and say they were going to start the next day, and then they wouldn't show up so that they could check the little box to say, that they are actively looking for work. So who's going to referee that? Who's going to regulate that? Nobody is. So the welfare state is ripe with fraud. This is from uh, the 1935 House Ways and Means Committee report on the entire New Deal, um, the entire welfare state that was began back in the late 20s, early 30s. Well, this is what the... The, the people who wrote this legislation that allowed something called unemployment insurance, here's what, they, here's what they're quoted saying. These are the lawmakers back in the 30s. Quote, unemployment insurance cannot give complete and unlimited compensation to all who are unemployed. End quote. It goes on to say that, quote, any attempt to make it do so confuses unemployment insurance with relief, which it is designed to re- replace in large part. It can give compensation only for a limited period and for a percentage of the wage loss. Uh, But now, as we see, jobless benefits are available for more than a year, and many people were making, um, and some are still making more sitting at home on the couch than they were actually working with their very own hands. Uh, The second clip I want to play here, uh, how much much time we have, Devin? Three minutes, so we're, we're good. I'm not used to the, my show format here. I um, wanted to make sure I didn't try to force in a clip here. But this is the second clip I wanted to play uh, from MaxFunds.com co-founder Jonas Max talking about uh, on Fox Business on whether the government can fix inflation and what they would have to do. Clip two, let's listen. So the short-run treatment with the Fed, because the Fed created some of the inflation, is mm-hmm. the Fed would, would reverse some of the things they're doing, notably buying the debt that the government issues to give people money. If they even did that a little, it would probably cause another recession. It would, interest rates would probably go up it would, and the housing boom going on. And all that in itself would end all the inflation very quickly, which is why they don't want to do that. Now, the only upside I can give you is if the inflation doesn't go away in six months, 12 months, and the Fed starts getting worried about it, the initial steps that they would likely take 
would do would end it very quickly. Hopefully they could do it without a serious recession like the early 80s. You remember we had some serious problems that we had to get. Oh, I remember took uh, tax cuts and everything. Yeah, woo. 81 and 83. It was two double mortgage recession. rates were like double digits. It worked, but it's it's like it's like the chemotherapy of the economy. It works, but it barely, almost kills you. So yesterday, that's what the government can do to slow down inflation, uh, to fix inflation. Uh, but as you just heard there, those are those are restrictive measures. Those are measures that kind of shrink, pull back the economy from overheating. Um, the uh, yesterday, I, I was listening to this clip out of the White House, and it was it was too it was too it was terrible. It was too hard to listen to because the the White House wouldn't answer the questions. It was so terrible. Uh, so painful to listen to that I didn't even bring it into my show yesterday, but I'll summarize it for you to save you the agony. Uh, CNN was interviewing a White House representative asking about how long can you continue to call inflation transitory? How long can you call inflation temporary? Well, <laughs> the White House never answered the question after like four attempts. But you know we're going on we're going on four to six months of inflation, and they're still calling it transitory. They're still calling it temporary. How long can you call it temporary? And what are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to fix it? And that's this is the this is the difference, and it's really shameful. This is the difference between the Trump administration and the Biden administration, or really the Trump administration versus every other administration. Is the media they they never gave Trump a pass. They never gave Trump a pass on anything even things that he couldn't even control. You know, we saw just in July, 212,000 or 215,000, one of the two, over 200,000 illegal immigrants were apprehended at the southern border in July. Not last year, just in the month of July. That, I believe, if it's not a record, it's close to a record for a single month. Well, CNN and MSNBC, they're not even covering it. They're not even talking about it. Why? Because it's not Trump in office. They can't pull the whole kids in cages hoax. No, instead, we've got kids sitting under a bridge in Mission, Texas for two days waiting to get a bus ride to the mainland, into the to the interior of the United States. You know, and uh, I saw a tweet yesterday where this guy commented and said, basically, our government's running a, the largest human smuggling operation in the world because we're bussing illegals into our own country and dropping them off. And they're getting a meal and a bus ticket, uh, all a part of the package. Sandy Rios in the morning. We'll be back in a few minutes. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to you can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 44 
Bible. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Brian Deese, Director of the National Economic Council. His office informs the President regarding economic policy matters and prepares the economic report of the President. Proverbs 12.15 reminds us of the importance of sound advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Brian Deese as he advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU. Dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. Well, I just returned from the weekend book tour visiting our great listeners in six states. We wrapped up the Biscuit Tour at the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina. I always love those moments when I can step away from the microphone and meet our listeners and readers personally. You folks did not disappoint. Hundreds of you turned out, and many brought delicious treats. The ladies who run the Smokehouse Barbecue in Gainesville, Georgia, showed up with a plate of hot biscuits and a five-pound slab of butter, much to the chagrin of my cardiologist. So here's my takeaway from this weekend's trip. There's a lot of concern in America, but there is also a lot of hope, and there are still plenty of God-loving patriots who will fight for this great nation. They love America, and they love biscuits. You can order a copy of our Daily Biscuit right now at your favorite bookstore or online at toddstarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. My name is Walker Wildman, and I am sitting in for Sandy Rios this morning. Glad to have you with us. You can tune in to my show um, at 1 p.m. Central here on American Family Radio. Um, You can tune into my show, AFA at the Core, here on American Family Radio each weekday at 1 p.m. Central. You know, I was talking about the economic situation that we're in as a country, and uh, this number I found yesterday, there's over 9 million job openings in the U.S. Over 9 million job openings in the U.S. And that brings me to uh, this story that I touched on a little bit uh, yesterday on my show and that is uh, the number of evictions that are about to take place is astronomical. Um, we had an eviction moratorium in place as a country uh, since September of 2020, so almost a year. And that just lapsed or ended this past weekend on July 31. 
Well, uh, there's nearly 2 million households, U.S. households, that owe a combined $15 billion in back rent. These are people that were renting before the pandemic, and they have continued renting, but they haven't been paying their rent. And they ha- the landlords haven't been able to kick them out for not paying their rent because of the eviction moratorium preventing uh, tenants, owners, from uh, from evicting um, people who are in their rental property. Well, I bring this up because people, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her squad, her group, they had a little protest over the weekend in the Capitol about this eviction moratorium saying that it should be extended and how dare Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in Congress fail to extend this moratorium. The world is burning. The world is burning, they say. Think about this. Think about this. This is how loony these people are. There have been, there have been tenants, there have been renters who have gone 11 months without paying rent. That's like me going 11 months without paying my mortgage. You just can't do that. You just can't do that. And so not only did they do that when we have, like I mentioned, that's a number, a number is important, 9 million job openings. So this whole garbage about I can't find a job, that is hogwash. That is, that is not true. There is 9 million job openings in our country. You can't tell me you can't find a job. And if you can and 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 with that being said, you should be able to pay your rent. Not to mention, well I will mention that if you're making $800 a week sitting at home on the couch from federal and state unemployment benefits, then you should be able to pay your rent. That's what that money is for, so that you can pay your bills and stay above above water. Boy, oh boy, we have some not-so-smart people in this country. So 2 million U.S. households owe $15 billion in back rent. And, and I'm, not, I'm not dragging all of these people. Look, I know people went through, a lot of people lost their jobs during the pandemic. And I get that. Um, but now that we're past that, and we have an economy that at least there's job openings, um, there's no reason we can't keep doing this. I mean, 11 months of, a, of an eviction moratorium is plenty, is more than enough. And to try to expect uh, um, landowners to go past that, they've got bills to pay too. Uh, they've got families to feed as well. So we need to think not just about uh, the tenants, but also about the landlords. One person who completely disagrees with me is uh, Democrat Senator Alex Padilla from California. And here's what he had to say about the moratorium and and what it does to our country, Clip 8. Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, applying pressure in all the right places, right? Uh, We acted earlier this year to provide state and local governments enough funding uh, to cover these eviction moratoriums. In California, it's been extended until September. We certainly hope we're uh, in a much better place when it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to the economy uh, by then, but at least Californians have that uh, comfort level. Uh, I think people across the country should uh, uh, enjoy the same protections. Uh, And if it means the CDC has to act, 
look, the, the public health professionals at the CDC, you know, I listen to every doctor when they take their oath becoming a medical professional. The first rule is do no harm. Mm -hmm. So that means during a pandemic, do not kick people out of their homes and do not put them on the streets. Well, there you have it. That's uh, Senator Alex Bedelia from California. And if it were up to him, we would continue this moratorium. I don't know, probably continue indefinitely, right? Because everyone should have access to affordable housing <laughs> or free housing in this case. It sounds so noble. It sounds so good. But if, if you've had any experience with the real world, then you know that you got to pay your bills. And when you rent and live on a property, you have to pay the people who own the property because they've got bills to pay too. Uh, but these Democrats are the most out-of-touch class in America. And uh, that senator, he would continue the moratorium indefinitely. But there's, as I mentioned, there's 9 million job openings. So to say you can't get a job is simply not true. Now, could you, can you get a job that's comparable to what you had before the pandemic? I don't know. Uh, but I will say there's a lot of competition in the job market. There's a lot of competition in the labor market because companies can't find workers, so they're willing to pay more for the workers that they can find. Uh, so that actually helps uh, the employer or the employee finding looking for jobs. There was a, a story broke yesterday about Senator Lindsey Graham and how he uh, tested positive for the coronavirus yesterday or Sunday. Well, he's fully vaccinated. That's one thing. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham is fully vaccinated, but that's not really the point of my story. The point of my story is how this all came about, how this news broke, is that not only did Senator Lindsey Graham test positive, but then that raised the question about who he's been with the last few days. Who has Senator Lindsey Graham been hanging out with in Washington, D.C. the last few days? Well, there was a party this past weekend that I wasn't invited to on uh, Senator Joe Manchin's houseboat in D.C. I guess this is on the Potomac. Senator Joe Manchin has a houseboat. That's news to me. Good for him. But he invited uh, a group of bipartisan senators to his houseboat this weekend, and they were all grilling and having a good time. But I, I, I see this story, and I think to myself, our country is, is basically falling apart in certain, in, to a certain extent when you, when you talk about our disaster of an economy that we're experiencing with inflation and other issues. Um, you've got China eating our lunch, even though the president, Joe Biden, says they're not going to eat our lunch. They are eating our lunch. We have news out of... Um, out of China, well, out of the U.S., really, that China let this uh, virus get out of their lab in 2019, and they lied to the world about it, and they're still lying to the world. We have that going on. Uh, we've got Iran over there uh, in the Middle East shooting or attacking um, Israeli uh, civilian vessels. You've got all this going on, and they're grilling burgers on a houseboat in Washington, D.C., and I thought, this is, this is the perfect picture of what's wrong with America. We've got this elite class in Washington, D.C., this class of lawmakers. And they are so out of touch with mainstream America. They are so out of touch with mainstream America. 
And this 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 brings about really what many people have said for a long time, and that, that basically Washington is a uniparty system. Washington, D.C. is a uniparty, meaning a one-party, uh, run city, run government. And when you see stories about this, about these bipartisan senators just grilling burgers on their houseboat on Saturday, it makes you think to yourself, what are they doing for their country? What are they doing for their constituents? What are they doing for their constituents? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing they are doing to answer my own question. They are about to pass a another another spending bill. Can you imagine that? Another bill. They're going to pass um, this group of bipartisan senators. They're going to pass a infrastructure bill, or at least that's what it's called. They're going to pass an infrastructure bill. And last night, Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana went on Ingram angle with Laura Ingram, and he uh, was defending his support for this infrastructure bill. And it's so um, this this happens to Republicans all the time. They get played, and that's what Laura Ingram's point was last night. Is here these senators are these Republican senators, about eighteen of them, that are that are supporting this infrastructure bill over a trillion dollars, uh, the infrastructure bill. And they're not getting anything out of it. Okay, they're getting a few roads and bridges fixed, but they're not getting anything out of it in the grand scheme of the Republican Party platform. It's always the Democrats that run the show. They always set the tone and run the show, and the Democrats, they always get everything they want out of these packages, out of these spending bills. But here's what's going to happen, and, and this, this I predicted this actually last week. Here's what's going to happen. These Republicans, these eight, some 18 Republicans, they're going to support this infrastructure bill over a trillion dollars because we've just got a lot of money sitting around as a country. So why not spend more? We're going to spend about a trillion dollars. I don't know, maybe 1.5 trillion. Who cares about the number, right? It's just a 3,000 page bill that nobody's read. And we're going to pass this as a country. And then, I don't know, in about a month or two, we're going to pass another bill. And this one's not going to be bipartisan. It's going to be a partisan bill pushed through by the Democrats, totaling about $3.5 trillion. That's what the number is now. That might change. And so in total, with the help of the Republicans, we could spend about $5 trillion, roughly, in the next two to four months. $5 trillion in the next two to four months. And that's not even counting, that's not even counting the, the federal budget, just the standard operating budget that hasn't been passed yet that's due in September that the government must pass. So all that's coming up, and Republicans are uh, they're going along to get along, at least some of them, and they're going to help pass these terrible bills in Washington, D.C. And Laura Ingram made a good point about how the, the Republicans, they fight conservatives harder than they fight the Democrats. Mitch McConnell... John Thune, all these Republicans, they fight <clears throat> they fight conservatives harder than they fight Democrats, and that really shows you where they are, where their loyalty stands as, uh, as lawmakers. Here's the number to call in. After the break in a few minutes, we're going to take calls. We can go ahead and get the lines filled up, hopefully. 888-589-8840, 888 
589-8840 is the number to call in. Once again, this is Sandy Rios in the morning, and I'm your guest host, Walker Wildman. The number to call in with your questions or comments on the topics we've discussed today is 888-589-8840. Another clip I want to play is from, this is from uh, Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, and he's talking about how they're working with big tech platforms to censor and to block people they disagree with. Clip six, let's listen. We're working with the tech companies that are the platform for much of the disinformation that reaches the American public, how they can better use their terms of use uh, to really um, uh, strengthen um, the legitimate use of their very powerful platforms and prevent um, harm from occurring. This is, uh, the Biden administration is actively working to criminalize speech criminalized speech that they just disagree with. And there you have the DHS Secretary Mayorkas openly confessing that his department, the Department of Homeland Security, is working with private companies to monitor you and me. You know, it used to be where Law enforcement and the government only worked with these private companies in the in the case of criminal investigations, investigations where there's known criminal conduct and you get a subpoena or you get a search warrant and these companies cooperate with law enforcement. But here we are. We're not even talking about illegal conduct. We're just talking about stuff that the Democrats don't like, which is pretty much half of America. This collaboration with private companies, with, between the Biden administration and private companies, is dangerous. This is China-level stuff. This is China-level stuff. I mean, who needs, who needs government-run <clears throat> platforms, government-run everything, if you can just partner with these private companies and block and deplatform people you disagree with and you know the their terms for the ideologies they disagree with are so elastic they're they stretch so far they include whatever they want you know they start off with a white supremacy and then that leads to everyone that they disagree with we're all white supremacists according to them which is completely untrue sandy rios in the morning we'll be back in a few minutes here's the number to call in 888 589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'll take your calls, your questions. We'll be back in a few minutes. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here are some of our core values. AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Do you want your taxes to help fund abortions? The House of Representatives is about to start voting on appropriations bills. 
Congress has made sure to include pro-life amendments and appropriations bills for almost 40 years. But this year, the Smith Amendment, the Hyde Amendment, and others could be removed, opening the avenue for abortion funding. Please urge your representative to vote against any appropriations bills that don't prohibit taxpayer funding for abortions. Get more information at afa.net. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Iran's Islamic government is cutting off Internet access following widespread anti-regime protests in the Khuzestan province. In America, NPR published a hit piece on The Daily Wire, The Blaze, Breitbart News, and Western Journal in which it called for big tech to work harder and do more to minimize misinformation coming from conservative outlets. NPR is taxpayer-funded. It's the closest thing we have to literal government-run media. And NPR is calling for the minimization of the influence of ideas and information that doesn't comport with their preferred narratives. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The Biden wrecking operation that passes for a presidency has had the U.S. military in its crosshairs from the get-go. Shortly after incoming Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin promised to root out so-called extremists, he stood up a working group for the purpose led by a Marxist named Bishop Garrison and largely populated by radical leftists associated with the anti-military Southern Poverty Law Center, ACLU, and Muslim Brotherhood. Its members have been promoting racist training programs and compiling lists of service personnel suspected of allegedly white supremacist tendencies, being Trump voters or otherwise dangerous. The latest technique for purging individuals who are actual warriors but may not be woke is an impending no-exceptions COVID vaccine mandate many will resign rather than comply. This is no time to break the only military we have. Joe Biden must be stopped from doing that. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. I'm your guest host, Walker Wildman. You can tune into my show this afternoon at 1 p.m. Central here on American Family Radio. That's AFA at the core is the name of the show, and I'll be live at 1 p.m. Central today, so tune in for that. 
Before we get to the calls, get to our call line, I wanted to cite one more story. <clears throat> this is out of Charlotte, North Carolina. There's uh, two major health um, systems there, Atrium Health and Novent Health. This is in North Carolina. And specifically Charlotte, there were probably uh, one news station said hundreds, another one said possibly thousands, but let's just go with hundreds. Uh, there were hundreds gathered um, in Charlotte protesting the health system mandating vaccines for all employees, no exemptions. This uh, health system employs about 70,000 workers spanning dozens of hospitals and other facilities. And the reason this caught my attention, because a quote from one of the mothers in this story, who is also a nurse, reading directly from the story, the nurse's name is Cheryl Manor. M-O-R-N-E-A-U. She's a nurse at this uh, atrium health facility, health system. And she is a breastfeeding mother. And she is about to be forced to get the vaccine or not have a job, which means not provide income for her child. Here's her quote about she's frustrated because she doesn't want to get this experimental vaccine yet because she's breastfeeding and she doesn't know what kind of side effects it's going to have. Why? Because there has been no long-term studies on this, on the long-term side effects of the shot. It's not really a vaccine anymore because they're admitting that it doesn't prevent you from getting ill. Um, <clears throat> it makes you handle the illness better, so they say. Um, so it's not a vaccine by definition. It's a shot or a therapeutic. Well, this health system is trying to make people get the shot. And this breastfeeding mother says this, as a breastfeeding mother, this mandate concerns me. The safety of all current COVID-19 vaccines in lactating people, the effects of vaccination on a breastfed baby, and the effects on milk production or excretion have not been studied, end quote. Quote, neither myself nor my colleagues should be forced to be a part of a clinical trial without our explicit informed consent, which gives us the right to choose or deny the shot. And so that's out of North Carolina. And I know many people uh, feel the same way, but that's a, you know, here this mom in North Carolina in Charlotte, here she not only has to look out for herself and potential side effects from getting the shot for herself, but she's got a child that she's feeding. And she has to worry about that as well. She has to protect that child as well. And so, you know, these people who are saying, uh, get the shot or else, you know, get the shot or you can't go to the grocery store or get the shot or you can't be treated in the ER, uh, get the shot or you can't have a job and earn a living. I mean, who are we as a society? Have we lost our hearts? Have we lost our our minds? That we're going to force a mother who is breastfeeding her child when there's been no long-term studies on this shot. And that's the thing. You can't say, oh, this is safe and effective, safe and effective. Well, according to what? Like six months of non-peer-reviewed studies? This shot's only been out 
for the public consumption since December, which is about seven months. And then there were some smaller studies before that, and the studies were, were done by the pharmaceutical companies that were also producing the vaccine, the shot. And so you know those are up to snuff. Uh, no com- conflict of interest there. But you can't say that this is 100% indefinitely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, safe and effective. Because it's still in the experimental phase. We don't have any long-term studies. So this whole <clears throat> get the shot or shut up and go to your house um, is is absolute insanity. And people need to get their act together um, and have a little sympathy for people who have valid objections to getting the experimental shot. Uh, we'll go to the phone lines and go to Joe in Arkansas. Joe, thanks for calling in to Sandy Rios in the morning. Hey, Joe. Yeah, thank you for taking. Yes, thank you for taking my call. What I wanted to say was um, on these big spending bills that the Democrats are passing, with the help of some Republicans, uh, one of the worst things about them that I see is that most of the stuff that we buy comes from China. So basically, what the Democrats are doing is they're spending all this money, mostly to build up the Chinese military, because I'm sure that's what the Chinese are mostly going to do with that money that we send over there. So that's another really bad feature of these big spending bills that I see. Joe, you are spot on, my brother. Thank you for calling in. I'll comment on that. Uh, that was Joe from Arkansas. You know, Joe, see, middle America, we're smarter than, than the elites think we are. That's actually very true, Joe, because I was reading an article yesterday about how in this infrastructure bill, there is an exemption to buying American. Well, the exemption gives the uh, department directors, all these agency directors, it basically, the, the, the bill, this infrastructure bill, gives the department directors, the secretaries, the unilateral authority to buy foreign products if they deem it inappropriate or unuseful to buy American for all these infrastructure projects I'm talking about. Well, what does that mean? It means that a secretary of an agency or a department can decide that that these American-made solar panels, well, they're just not good enough. And so we're going to go and we're going to buy Chinese solar panels uh, for this project we're doing. And as you point out, that money all goes to China. And what are they using that for? Well, they're using it to build up their own country and to bring down America. So good point there, Joe. Uh, We'll go to Jerry in Texas. Jerry, thanks for calling in. I thank you, Walker. I'm going to try and make this succinct and fast. And I would like to urge all of your callers. um, I personally have spent the last probably day um, going through a list that you can find on the Internet of the 17 senators that voted bipartisanly for the infrastructure bill. And while I'm not a resident or a constituent of their state, I do live in this country and know that when an infrastructure bill will affect every state, I feel it is my obligation as a citizen to call those senators, even though I live in a different state, and tell them that they're getting And while I understand that they may have voted bipartisan to allow it to go to the floor, they should definitely vote no because, one, and I did talk to a few people, um, staffers, and they said the bill is still under the HR in the Senate under review and markup and this and that. There's no Senate bill written yet as of that they know. Another one told me, oh, it's written, but they couldn't tell me as staffers exactly what's in it. They haven't read the bill. Mm-hmm. Well, 
they also couldn't give me a number so I could go look it up on govtracks.com to read the bill as well. Yeah. And as you, I've read articles that state that they're putting pork in it, and it's the Democrats really. So I've even called those 17 specifically and urged them as a citizen of the United States to not vote on the infrastructure bill because it will just be like Nancy Pelosi said about the American um, Health Care Act. You have to vote on the bill to know what's in the bill, which, <laughs> by the way, one of the staffers could not tell me who quoted that knowing that that's exactly what the Democrats did. So I feel it is our obligation and our duty, not just as Christians but as citizens, to call these senators and let them know, even though you're from another state, how you feel about them voting on something that's going to add to your debt, your children's debt, your grandchildren's debt, and that the Bible instructs us to be good stewards of the things that he's given us. And one of those is the money. Yeah. So that would be my urge to all of the people that listen, and I'm going to let you go, brother. You have all a right. blessed day, and we love Sandy Rios and you. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, brother. You know, good point there. So Jerry encouraged each and every one of our listeners to call their representative, their senator, uh, and urge them to not vote for this infrastructure bill because it's full of pork and waste. And I agree uh, 100%. And even if your senator hasn't supported the bill, even if they're against against it, it's still important uh, to let them know to stay against the bill because there's going to be some pressure for them to join the bandwagon and support the bill. We'll go to Mary in Texas. Mary, thanks for calling in. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. It's been on my mind why the American public cannot file a class action lawsuit against the federal government. Let them be responsible for all this trillions of dollars. You cannot tell me that they have accountability where all the money they spent last year went. I know there's scandals on the unemployment in Washington State, a scandal in California on the unemployment that was given, and um, it just blows my mind. I Googled once when the last time America had a bounced budget in Washington, D.C., the only thing I got was that during the Bush administration and Clinton, they submitted a budget of one point something trillion. I never could find the answer. When was the last time the government had a balanced budget? But I think they should be responsible for the last 40 years. I think foreign aid should stop since they open our borders. Why give money to countries when they're sending their people here? Yeah. And no more grants. I tell you, Fuji should be held criminally responsible for giving taxpayer dollars to the Wuhan China. And I do not understand. You know what? I believe all those that are on the side of the Democrat payday is coming. Mm. And it won't be in their favor. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for calling in. You know, um, there's a lot of frustration out there um, because... Washington operates outside of the way you and I have to operate. Um, You and I have to pay our bills. We have to pay our mortgage. We have to put food on the table. And we can't just keep cutting the printing press on every time we run out. Um, We have to balance our own budget personally, at least we should. Um, And the government should not be exempt from that uh, law of economics Loray, if I'm saying that right, in Arkansas. Loray, welcome to Sandy Rios in the morning. 
Hi. Yes, you did. Um, I have a quick question. I'm a provider, a medical provider in Arkansas, and I want to know what all the senators and congressmen and everybody else that tested positive for COVID, what are they given to make them better? Because we're not allowed to give anything. And that's really frustrating. They come in, they get tested positive for COVID, and we send them on our way. Mm. And every one of our hospitals are full up because they don't have any beds or staff to run the beds because of COVID. Well, you know, that's interesting you brought that up, Lorraine, because uh, I've heard and I actually read the FDA on the FDA site about this emergency use authorization. And apparently... If, there, if the government discovered or admitted that there were plausible treatment alternatives, therapeutics, to help minimize the damage done by COVID, then that would undermine the entire emergency use authorization. Um, and so it could be that um, the reason uh, the, 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 the CDC and others claim that there's no you know, valid treatment outside of uh, a few therapeutics that are high-dollar ones in the vaccine it could be because they don't want to undermine their own emergency use authorization. So, yeah, that'd be interesting to know. What's uh, Senator Lindsey Graham being given? Uh, what are these uh, people being given that are uh, leaders and have access to all these uh, high-end healthcare facilities? Thanks, Larray, for calling in. Um, you know, that's really a shame. And I've heard that before, that some of these medical facilities aren't giving people anything. They're coming in sick with coronavirus and they're being sent home with nothing told to go home and if it gets bad come to the hospital that is a terrible terrible way to treat people and you know there are many reputable doctors out there that have said that there are therapeutics that do work uh, to either prevent covid or uh, minimize its damage i know hydroxychloroquine is one of them Ivermectin's another one, and then there's a few other out there um, that are that are being talked about and studied. Sandy Rios in the morning. Uh, we'll be back. Oh, Sandy will be back. Someone will be back with you tomorrow morning, and I'll be back on the air with you at 1 p.m. Central. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.